if you really want to do something, you make it a priority and you'll figure it out. And you can absolutely, you can train jujitsu one day a week and, and start getting better at it. You don't have to be on the mats five or six days a week. Like some of us, you know, psychopaths are, um, but show up once a week. Hey guys, check out the 2023 street cop conference, April 23rd through the 28th Gaylord convention center. It's going to be the event of the year. Keynote speakers include Rob O'Neill, the guy who killed bin Laden, Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living medal of honor recipient, Navy seal, Jason Redmond, Fox news host, Tommy Laren, Marine Corps, special forces and leadership coach, Cody Alford, Sheriff Wayne Ivy, Sheriff David Clark and Sheriff Mark Lamb. It's going to be one hell of an event. And on top of that, we have all of our instructors and additional instructors from other companies going to be at the event, giving you everything they know for you to have a successful career and get the results you want to get in the field as a police officer. On top of attending the event, you'll get face-to-face time with every instructor attending the event, and all the keynote speakers will spend time with you. we got special events all week, giveaways, nightlife. It's going to be really, really worth your time, energy, and effort. I promise you, you will not regret it for a second. To register for the conference, check out streetcop.com, click conference, and everything you need will be there on the homepage. If you are looking for a room, just click book a room. The block has been sold out at the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. But there are many hotels nearby within a walking distance of the event. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. We will see you there. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino. I have with me today. Is it Jay Schwartz or Swartz? Well, technically, it's Swartz, S-W-A-R-T-Z, but it's always been C-H when I grew up, and all the mail that I get at my house always says C-H, so I've gotten used to both. Okay, so we're going to call you Swartz. We'll go by your real name from Jiu-Jitsu 5 and appreciate you being here, dude. It's going to be a good fucking podcast episode, got a lot of shit to talk about. Absolutely. And Jay's one of those guys that I could just tell that if you fucked with him, he'd really mess you up pretty good. Is that a fair <laughs> statement, Jay? I mean, I, I like to think so, but like we were just talking about <laughs> kind of off air, I'm, I am 42 years old now, so... It's getting harder and harder. We have a guy who came in here uh, the other day, Mike Leonardi, and Mike doesn't look like a physical specimen until like, you shake his hand and do like the bro hug. And he's yeah. like been training jujitsu for like 19 years. And uh, when you feel him, you're like, this motherfucker's rock fucking solid, dude. Yeah. And so it really puts into context of like where you're at when you look at somebody, especially now, dude, everybody's training Brazilian jujitsu. So you yep. get into a bar fight now, you don't know who the fuck you're up against. Most people, are, I, I would think, are getting some kind of training in some sense, right? Right. I, well, that's a good point. And a lot of jujitsu guys specifically are so unassuming looking a lot of times. Yeah. You know, I uh, I talk about this quite a bit, but like if you go into a jujitsu gym, you, tr- you see all these guys that like outside of the gym, they just look like nerds. But on the mat, they're just complete killers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're having uh, my kids go to Dante Rivera's school. OK, so. uh He's coming in this week, uh, him, Frankie Edgar, and um, Ricardo Almeida are coming in office. Oh, nice. In the studio this week. Yeah, so, but like, I mean, Dante doesn't look like jacked, you know what I mean? But he's a bad motherfucker, dude. Right, yeah. He's a bad dude, bro. Well, look at some of these guys that are winning these, like, uh, you know, all these gold medals at IBJJF tournaments and stuff, um, like Mikey Musumeci. I don't know if you've heard his name before. He's a high-level black belt. He's just been on a on a tear he beats everybody and he just looks like your average dude. He wears glasses, you know, he's skinny, <laughs> but that could, he'll, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> Bro. When I go to the class, like they have the girls in the class, those girls are like spider monkeys on my boys. It's the best. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing makes me happier than I watch some stranger girl. Fuck my boys up. Yep. They need it. It humbles them. Right. Oh, well dude. Yeah. I mean, they're getting, they're actually, you know, it's interesting. Um, They're both pretty good for as long as they've been in it. And I'm not, this is not dad brag land. But I'm actually watching the older one who's hot. Now, the younger one's intelligent, too, but the older one is highly intelligent, always has been. And he's actually picking up a lot of slack very quickly because he understands the move. Yeah. So I think he can process information and apply it. And that's what he's getting so good at understanding how to do it because he he gets it. That makes yeah. sense. Oh, it does. And I found that people that are actually like more analytical tend to do a little bit better in jujitsu because it is, it can be very complex and there's like so many things to learn that it can be overwhelming. 
and I just feel like people that have like that analytical mindset, they pick it up a lot quicker than some of us uh, meatheads, you know, especially cops, because you just want to smash through everything. I've tended to, I probably struggle with learning jujitsu a little bit more than, uh, than a lot of other people, just because I'm not smart. <laughs> I mean, you're probably smart. I don't know. I mean, street smart, maybe book smart. I'd never did very well. Like in school, I was always a pretty average, uh, average student. Dude, I didn't even go. First of all, let's, let's just talk about this for a second, Jay, before we go on to the introductions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I basically didn't go to school in high school, just so we're clear. Uh, <laughs> my, my report card pretty much looked like it was no ABBA, ABBA, ABBA. It was Siddhartha, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if I got C's, that was a win. And I think the school system at that time led us to believe that if you weren't a straight A student or an honor roll student or in student council, that you probably weren't going to amount to much. And you know what's crazy, dude? It was all wrong. Yeah. Well, the whole, yeah, the grading system, I think, is kind of jacked up with public schools and everything. And I think you're 100% right. You know, it. we kind of got sold that that bill of goods that was like, you have to get straight A's and that, that good grades equate to uh, intelligence. And I just don't think that's true because so many people have other talents outside of being able to take a test or retain some information that they read in, in a, in a book. So, yeah, I don't know. I wish they let kids like just explore more of their like creative talents and stuff and figure out what it is that they like, what it is that they're good at, and then kind of go down those paths. I'm actually very much on the lookout for my four children for like when that time happens. And if yeah. anybody's curtailing or curbing their creativity uh, in the school system, and I'm going to fucking yank them out and figure it yeah. out from there. Hopefully I can yeah. procure enough money to, hire like independent one-on-one teachers that actually help them go down and explore. Yep. Think about this. If, if the system that is built and continues, continues to exist or the one that we grew up on was true, then everybody that you went to high school with should have turned out according to the academics should have turned out just the way they expected them to. However, right. you know, it's fucking crazy, dude. And you know, this you're 42 and 41. Everybody turned out just the opposite. Isn't that yeah. nuts? Yeah. Tell me is. one person that consistently like landed where you thought they were going to land. Like I know a guy who went to business school, real good one, real good MBA. Right. I think he doesn't talk to me anymore because he's fucking pissed that <laughs> I am. And I'll try to sound like I'm cocky, but like I have achieved a lot more business wise than he has. Right. And I think it makes him nuts because he's got to be saying to himself, or a lot of people are like, wait a second. I don't fucking get it, dude. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I got the A's my parents wanted me to get. I went to business school. I came out. I guess I'm doing okay. Why does this motherfucker have three times the amount of shit that I do? Right. Right. It's yeah. a fucked up system. So you're asking yourself like, and I think some people are like, I think this dude specifically, and it's funny because I was thinking about him this morning. I'm like, why doesn't he talk to me? I haven't seen him in 10 years. Yeah. Why does this guy talk to me? Because he's probably like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what? It probably is. And I was just thinking about this as you were telling that story. A lot of it's probably your upbringing, too. And, you know, the, the home that you were brought up in, if you if you came from like a really well off family that always kind of like helped get you to the places that you needed to get and they were constantly helping you study and get good grades and maybe they help pay for college when you never really had to struggle. Right. I think there's a lot of people out there that are successful because they had to learn how to scrap and how to wake up and just do the daily grind from from the jump. Right. Um and I don't know what your yours was like, but I I grew up dirt poor. We grew up in a trailer. I came from absolutely nothing. Uh, my parents were kind of the type of parents. I grew up in the '80s, like you, right? And my parents were sort of like, "Hey, uh, come back when when it's dark." And that was about the extent of yeah. their parenting. And we just had to figure shit out for ourselves. And I think I think there's a lot to that. And nowadays, like I think parents are just so like the whole helicopter parenting thing and. Um, we just don't let kids figure stuff out for themselves anymore. And there's no struggle. Um, and I think that that goes a long way as you become an adult. I uh, honestly probably push most people to their level of anxiety that they could just about tolerate when they bring their kids to my house, because yeah. I intervene as the dad. I'm like, Oh, Oh, let them do it. But back to what you were saying before. And I guess this is probably not on the subject matter you're going to discuss today, but I think it's person to person and I, that could be a complete opinion, but I try to make my statements that I proclaim off of very uh, arbitrary, neutral spots. And the reason I say it's person to person is because I grew up with a lot of people who grew up just like I did and just like you did. Not many people made it out. I was, I try to unpack like who I am. Why was I 
the way that I am, I'm highly motivated, dude. I remember wanting to work, like asking my parents because we they didn't give a shit. I was like, yo, can I get a job at like 10? I was like shoveling driveways and hustling. And uh, I had nobody to put their arm around me and say like, look, this energy, dude, I was working two double, I was no bullshit, my hand to God. I was working two full-time jobs the minute I graduated high school, 80 hours a week and nice. couldn't get enough. And I remember yeah. getting in trouble from one boss because I worked at one pizzeria and he found out I was delivering pizza at another pizzeria. He's like, I heard you're, 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 uh, you're delivering pizza at the pizzeria. I go, I am. He goes, why? He goes, you only give me 25 hours a week. He goes, well, how much do you want? I go another 25. I got to make money, my friend. Yeah. Dude, when I was 18, I was, this is 19, uh, some 81. So like 1999 into 2000, I was probably making a thousand to 1200 bucks a week. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. 20 something. Yeah. And like, I couldn't get enough. And as nuts as it sounds, I guess a blessing and a non-blessing. I took the civil service exam because I wanted to be a cop so bad. Then I got a job in corrections at 19. Okay. And it's in New Jersey here. So it's a sworn position. And they're like, hey, you want a gun, a badge, and PBA cards? And I was like 19. I'm like, fuck yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and that's actually what slowed me down, dude. No bullshit. And I sat in purgatory for two years in corrections uh, because you can't do anything. It's like, what do you do here? Sit over there. What else? That's it. That's it. You yeah. got a break. You come down, you eat your lunch, go back. I mean, <laughs> where police work allowed me to get out and be productive and incentivize and improvise and find new things and explore. And um, that was the big difference for me. So I was actually, not only was I caged up in corrections, I mean, I was caged up mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. For sure. Yeah. It's, so, uh, I mean, I, th I, I think it's a person to person thing, dude. I think that you were just, did everybody from your situation escape or not? No, no. Not everybody. So. Uh, but I do know a lot of people. I think you're right. It is person to person. But there are a lot of people I know that, you know, had to had to struggle who have succeeded, who have made it. And I think the struggle probably helped get them there to some degree. You know, it's probably not the only thing, obviously. But um, I don't know. I want my kids to struggle a little bit. I, I try to help them out where I can. But I also if they have a problem, I'm kind of of the mindset, like, figure it out. You know, I can't give you the answer to everything. Um, and I don't know. I say, dude, same thing. Like I, I already, I've made it clear in my house that like, you guys are lucky if you don't get a job by 12, but I promise you by 14, everybody's working here. Yeah, like it's all I, getting I like shut that. off. My, my wife is from a mindset of like, oh, what if they're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, unless you're going to be sneaking things to these kids, like their inmates behind my back, 12, if not, you can guarantee that 14, everybody's getting jobs. But what if this one's doing that? I go, unless they're pro on, on the circuit, pro this, pro that. Have a, I used to tell my friends who were uh, playing football and, and wrestling. And like, I'm like, you guys aren't going pro. You, you realize that, right? They're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, when do you hang it up? When do you just say like, it's time to shift gears a little bit and start being more productive instead of showing up with a fucking duffel bag every afternoon and doing the fun shit. Yeah. And uh, I told this to my brother-in-law, he turned 18. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm going to take a wrestling in, in community college. I'm like, uh, how about get a fucking good job now? Right. Like, or like do something. Let's start making money. Let's talk about right. the conversation. Yeah. Like, you're, not, you're going to WWF. You go to the WWE. You're going to WCW. No. I'm like, so you're goofing off on the fucking mats. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, he's a cop now, which, uh, which that's who he wanted to be. So I was like, start working on that, dude. Like, right. If it's 21 to be a cop, go be a dispatcher. Get your foot in the door there. Yeah. Or even take your hobby or your passion and figure out a way to make money with it, right? Like, that's right. what I was trying to do with, with jujitsu. So you don't, um, you're not necessarily, it's, it's hard work. You get up and you work every day and you probably work way more when you run your own company uh, than you do Oof. at some, Oof. you know, bullshit nine to five job. But it's stuff <laughs> yeah. that you really like doing, right? Like maybe you put in 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, but at, it doesn't feel like work when it's stuff that you like doing, you know? I think that old saying is true. I think there's a big shift between, and I want to give this gift to everybody. I've talked about it before, but uh, loving what you do and doing what you love. So nobody gets to do what they love. Nobody does. And yeah. that was brought up maybe two months ago from somebody in my office. And she said, well, you do what you love. I go, I love what I do, but I don't yeah. do what I love all the time. Right. Because every Sunday, well, you motherfuckers are eating wings and drinking beers. <laughs> I'm in an airport. Yep. Going on planes, getting delayed, landing, renting cars, traveling to a hotel, working, prepping for class the next day. You know, Jay, it's like a complete shift to like, well, how do you see it though, right? So you could say like, oh, woe is me, this sucks. But dude, I think about that guy or girl who's in class in San Diego, who says to me in three months, like, 
bro, you saved my fucking life. Yeah. Hey man, we got this guy up the street. He was going to, he's going to go rape somebody, you know? So for me, I have no issues with my hard times. I got four little kids, right? I don't get to see them on the weekends. Um, oh, I'm sorry. On Sundays, typically I travel. So I'm not like seeing them. Right. Uh, and they're like, what the fuck, dude, you're missing basketball. I'm missing basketball on Saturday. I've got to go to teach a class in Mississippi, two games. Yeah. And they're like, you're not gonna be my basketball game. I'm like, yeah, I get it, dude. Right. Like I'm, that's your dad. That's is your dad's life. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and there's always that balance is real, whether you work a nine to five or you, or you run your own business. It's probably even more important when you run your own business, because there's really no, there's no schedule or necessarily like a structure to it. Like there is with a, with a nine to five job, you're just sort of always working. Right. And you, you know, that better than anybody. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, that part's always hard. I think people think that when you, if you work for yourself, you have a lot more free time and freedom to do stuff. But as you know, that's not, that's not the case at all. You can play, you can play like shuffleboard with your schedule, yeah. right? So like, if I got to be at a fucking, at a basketball game at five tonight, I can shuffle this shit around and pick up where I left off at seven when the basketball game's over right? and work till right. I go to sleep. So I'm trying this new thing. And I learned it from um, uh, a book that I just listened to by, uh, Cameron uh, uh, Haynes, is that his name? That sounds right. So in his book, he's like, I start at 4.50 in the morning and I end at eight o'clock at night. So I started to employ that dude. And I don't know yeah. what that, so I, I injured myself recently, which for a guy who's in the gym as much as I am is really upsetting to me because yeah. this this arm is, it's cooked. If you go to our Instagram, you'll see a picture I put up of my arm, what I did to it, I mangled it good. But I've been trying to put that into action, like 4.50 to 8 p.m. at night. And you might say like, well, that sounds crazy. I mean, he does it. Why should you do it? Well, because I admire that structure, that, that, that thing. But I, you know, in that time I can shuffle a lot of shit around. Yeah. But there's a lot of discipline involved. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to be disciplined. It is nice to be able to move things around and kind of work on your own schedule. That part is very nice. Um, but yeah, shutting things down. I think that's a good, that's a good approach too. And just saying at this time I'm going to be done. And I'm not going to respond to emails. I'm not going to create content. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm just going to be done, hang with my kids, do whatever, maybe sleep. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I, I, I get seven hours a night comfortably. Um, and sometimes that time with my kids is I'll allow them to sleep in my bed with me yeah. and I'll let them come in and hang out with me as I'm, go as I'm winding down. And that just means the world to them, but we can't get into that habit. Dude, there's actually a lot of science behind how important it is to sleep by yourself. We've talked about that in previous podcasts, like, even sleeping with your partner or sleeping with children or sleeping with pets, real bad stuff, real, not, not good health stuff. Yeah. I, the sleep stuff's like, it's, I'm starting to see more and more of that online and people talking about the importance of sleep and all the science and stuff behind it. It's super interesting. Um, and that was one thing, you know, when you work as a cop, obviously full-time and you're working 12, 14 hours a day, like getting enough sleep was almost impossible. Um, but it is important. And I think there's, there's a way, Everyone needs to figure out what works for them, but you got to get, you got to get sleep, man. I try to get seven hours. Like you said, every night, if I can get eight, great, but minimum of seven. And I've found that that has really made a difference just in all areas of my, my day to day. Jay, it's time to tell us who you are. Oh yeah. We should, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, it, <laughs> well, my name is Jason Swartz. Uh, I was a police officer for 11 years in the state of Minnesota. Um, I worked up here in the twin cities. Uh, I decided to leave law enforcement a little over a year ago. I left in September, 2021. I'd started my company jujitsu five Oh, as kind of like a side hustle about three years ago. Um, I've been training jujitsu now for almost 12 years. I am a jujitsu black belt. I got promoted to black belt. Um, December of 2021. So it's been just over a year that I've been at Black Belt. I started training jujitsu when I was a brand new cop because I knew that I needed something. Um, I was like, a, I'm not a big person, as you can probably tell from most of my videos. I'm like five foot seven, maybe 170 pounds. And I in Minnesota, let's be very clear on that. Like you are, because I go to Minnesota, I'm six foot two twenty, and I'm a runt in Minnesota. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of uh, grass fed. Uh, Dude, these motherfuckers know. are huge. North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. Yeah. Humongous Nordic fucking giant human beings. They're, yeah, they're huge people, lots of wrestlers, like those three states you mentioned. There's a lot of wrestling up here. Um, and just, yeah, especially as you go northern, like to the north in Minnesota, they get bigger, I feel like. Well, they're also get fatter too. 
Probably, that's probably it. Yeah, that's probably. You guys it. got some like North Dakota and South Dakota. They got some real fat bastards out there. You yeah. guys too. I mean, some of the fattest people. Honestly, I hate to say it, some of the fattest people you'll ever see in law enforcement: Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota. It's I'm sad, telling man. You, you don't it, see cops like that in, a lot here in New Jersey. Yeah. You could you could tell cops a mile away in Jersey because typically they're pretty they're pretty built. Yeah. Um, but you go out there. I mean, bro, I've seen some cops out in Minnesota and at 400, 450 pounds. No bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know why it's specific uh, to up here. They see the same thing. You're like, oh, we're just some corn fed fucking northern boys or some shit. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, I uh, that's kind of why I started training jujitsu. And then I just sort of fell in love with it. Started training, you know, three to four days a week, getting in as much training as I could. It kind of just became a part of my life, really. And then I knew at a certain point. I was also, so when I was working as a cop full-time, um, I was an instructor. I was one of our lead combative tactics instructors. I was a field training officer, firearms instructor, and I've always just really liked teaching and sharing knowledge. So I like to learn stuff and then figure out how to repackage that and give it to somebody else and teach them how to do it. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And I, it's just always something that I've enjoyed. So um, teaching jujitsu was sort of like a natural fit for me. So as I started jujitsu 5.0, I didn't really know what it was or where it was going, um, but I knew that I really wanted to teach cops how to fight and how to grapple, especially for all those like common situations that uh, they find themselves in on the street. So I started doing that and then it kind of, it started to grow my social media presence and stuff started to get bigger. I started to get more requests to go like do courses and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of fast forward to where we're at today. Now, this is what I'm doing full time. And, uh, I've just really been, you know, enjoying the process and learning a lot along the way outside of jujitsu. Uh, I'm married. I've been married for 17 years. I have three kids, three boys. Um, you know, they definitely keep me busy with all their sports and everything that they're involved in. And they're also in jujitsu, which they really like. Um, I didn't force them to do it. I asked them if they wanted to, and they were like, yeah. And then they kind of fell in love with it as well. So we're a big jujitsu family. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, man. Um, I don't know. What else you want to know about me? So tell me about the jujitsu 5.0 program and what makes it unique and what you're trying to do with it. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the street cop podcast, do us a favor and go with, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, tell a friend, we don't charge anything for the episodes. We appreciate your support. Check us out on any social platform by putting into the search bar, street cop training, give us a follow. We have a lot of free content coming out every single day that you might not catch here on the podcast. And it's important for you to be able to do your job more professionally. And we also entertain you as well. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, one of the things that probably makes it unique is um, just the fact that I'm obviously niche. I'm, I'm really marketing myself toward cops. So I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, the a jujitsu instructor for everybody that wants to learn all aspects of jujitsu. I'm really trying to teach specific fundamental parts of jujitsu that are relatable to the street that you can actually use and employ while you're on duty. Once you encounter people that are uncooperative, that are trying to resist, trying to fight with you, um, you know, and even from a self-defense aspect, I'm, I'm, I focus primarily on the, the self-defense aspect of jujitsu. So things that are going to work in street fights. Um, I do a lot of online training, which I think wasn't necessarily, you know, it's still not readily available in this space. Um, I put out a lot of digital instructionals, which obviously you can buy on BJJ fanatics and things like that. But the ones I'm putting out again are very specific to law enforcement, specific to self-defense. Um, I have, you know, so I've really kind of taken that approach. I wanted, I've always wanted to stay unique and specific in the law enforcement space um, because there's so much stuff out there. You know, um, I also pride myself on just keeping things simple as an instructor. You know, if you watch any of my technique videos, if you buy one of my series, if you download my app and watch my technique videos, like they're short, sweet and to the point. I don't like to talk at people for 10 minutes while I'm trying to explain something. I try to keep my my uh, techniques again, just short and simple, easily digestible. So if you watch something, I'm hoping that you can learn it in that two minutes that it took you to watch the video, you might have to go back and rewatch some of the details. But um, I think that kind of separates me as well, because there is a lot of stuff out there where, you know, instructors will talk for 15 minutes. Uh, 
um, on one technique. And I know as a consumer, I always hate that when I'm trying to watch whatever video it is, if I'm trying to learn something, you know, so that's it. And then I guess at the overall, I really, I wanted to create jujitsu five Oh, not just as like a training company, but more as like a lifestyle brand that people could, you know, feel a part of. Um, so I do like, you probably see me, I put out gear, jujitsu training gear, um, geese, hoodies, rank belts, all that kind of stuff. That side of my business has been going really well. People really like the stuff that I've been putting out. Um, and I just, yeah, I wanted something that people could feel a part of and not just, oh, that's another police training company. You got to watch out for those police training companies. You know? I know. Right. Yeah. I, I know a lot, a lot of hucksters out there, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of hucksters out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had somebody in here earlier when we filmed an in-person podcast. And I believe that this captain of this police department was uh, training jujitsu. And he said, everybody should go to a blue belt. Everybody should at least go get their blue belt. And that gives you the comfort level and the confidence to go do this job effectively. So yeah. how much time do you think someone needs to be in a jujitsu gym, learning a lot of this stuff before they can be comfortable as law enforcement from your, in your professional opinion? I don't think it takes the blue belt. I've heard that a lot. That's a, that's a topic that comes up. Like every cop should be a blue belt. And I think that that's putting too much focus on the belt itself and not enough focus on just go start training. Right. So I think that you can start to get comfortable with a few months of training under your belt. If you're doing it consistently and you're focusing on specific things, right. You're not going to be the best grappler in the world, but if you're, if that's not your goal and you're looking to just, um, you know, how do I take someone down? I grab onto them and they pull away from me on the street. Do I know a couple of takedowns from there? Once I take them down to the ground, now what do I know what to do to control that person once I have them down on the ground? So if, if you can look at jujitsu from that standpoint, and set aside all of the lapel guard and, you know, this crazy stuff that's out there because it can feel very overwhelming and you can set specific goals for your training. I think you can start to feel comfortable a lot sooner than, you know, the two years that it's probably going to take you to get a blue belt. Um, and the blue belt, that's just like a, that's a starting point. Ideally, I've said this before on other uh, podcasts, but like ideally every cop, every patrol cop in the United States would be a black belt because that would mean that they've dedicated their life to getting good at grappling and they've, they've kind of mastered it. Right. So the blue belt is just sort of like, that's one step along a journey that should never end. If you're, if you're working patrol, in my opinion, why do you think, let me, let me preface this a little bit, knowing it's so important for police officers to be able to control subs, uh, suspects, subjects, whatever it may be. Why do you think people don't train? That is like, there's so many things I think that prevents them from doing it. I, if I had to choose a couple of the ones that are probably the most prevalent, um, ego, we hear about that one a lot, even though guys don't want to admit it. I think, as you know, most cops, myself included, to some degree, we have an ego that doesn't want us to go and have to prove ourselves against something that we know we're probably going to suck at. Right. So if, and fighting, especially as a, we're in a male dominated profession, guys think they're tough. Every guy that you talk to and every guy that you know probably thinks they're the strongest, they're the best fighter, they can kick everyone's ass, right? And they'll talk about it. But you don't really know that until you test it. And that's scary to a lot of people. I think if I if I think I'm a badass, because maybe I've won a few street fights, so I'm I'm an undefeated street fighter but I go into a gym with a bunch of guys that actually know what they're doing. And it's not just, you know, some shithead off the street that doesn't know anything. Well, now I get my ass kicked a little bit and I realize that I don't know as much as I thought that's a big hit to my ego. And I think that really, that's a huge thing that, um, that prevents people from getting on the mats and, and just even trying one single class. I think they're scared to do it and they might not say it in those words, you know, I'm not afraid of anything, bro, <laughs> you know, but I, I think they are afraid to try jujitsu because it's going to hurt their ego. Um, costs can come into it. Sometimes jujitsu gyms are expensive. You know, you might pay 150 bucks, 200 bucks a month for a membership. That one's not as big of a deal though, because those same guys that say it's too expensive, you know, they drive an $80,000 Dodge Ram and they have a yeah, $200 CrossFit membership, right? Like, so the cost thing, that I instantly shut that excuse down. I think it's bullshit. Yeah, if you, honestly, dude, you, you want to do something, you always find a way. It's like, yep, I, it's it's comical. Usually, those people 
are the ones that complain, but they go to Disney twice a year for 15,000, 20,000 a clip. It's a joke. Yeah. A hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. And yeah, I, I think if you want to do something, like you said, you find the money, you prioritize it, you'll figure out a way if you really want it. Um, but the other one, you know, is time when you work patrol, as you know, it, the shifts are really long. If you work like 12 hour shifts, which a lot of cops do, it's really hard to find time to train. And I think a lot of guys and gals will say, well, I just don't have the time for it because in my off days, I got to take care of my kids and I got to catch up on household chores or whatever. But again, if you really want to do something, you make it a priority and you'll figure it out. And you can absolutely, you can train jujitsu one day a week and, and start getting better at it. You don't have to be on the mats five or six days a week, like some of us, you know, psychopaths are, um, but show up once a week. Uh, I teach a free class every Wednesday and Friday, just for cops up here uh, in the twin cities. I get a group of people, they come in, they don't have a gym membership. They don't train jujitsu consistently. They just train in my class. I've seen them advance like tenfold from where they were on day one, just by training the, an hour a week, consistently. So, um, I don't know if you know, Chad Lyman, he's another, uh, oh, yeah. Chad oh, yeah. Lyman, great, great guy. He uses the uh, term train a little, a lot. And I think there's so much truth to that, especially if you're limited on time, you know, you probably know this with weight training. If you're trying to get strong, you don't have to go do a split routine where you're lifting, you know, five days a week, you can get strong by lifting two days a week. If you're focused on specific things. So for me, it's funny, dude. I never compare myself to anybody else. I yeah. compare me to me. You know, they, there's this thing like you're on, you're, you're your own worst critic. The truth of the matter is you're your own best critic. You know, you know, everything about you, why you didn't make it, why yeah. you didn't do it, why that didn't happen, all those things. But when you actually give yourself a nice kick in the fucking pants yeah. and you get up off your ass and do something, you can say, see that shit. You fucking did it. And right. dude, I'm telling you, one of the things I wrote down was people are lazy. Yeah. Right. If it wasn't for lazy people, people like me would never succeed. Um, it's really truthful. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of business theories. And I guess we're going to cross over into business a little bit here. And some of those things are like, if you want a little bit more than everybody else, then do a little bit more than everybody else. If you want a lot more than everybody else, then do a lot more than everybody else. Yep. And I'm always willing to outwork I promise you, no matter what the competition is, if I'm committed to it, you better be really, really aware that I am coming full fucking force. And if I lose, I know I'm losing after giving my best effort. Yeah. Because you have to match what I'm willing to do. And it's a lot, dude. I mean, outside of jeopardizing sleep, because mm -hmm. I'm I'm such a peak performer when I when I get my seven hours in, I don't jeopardize sleep. I just don't do it. It is not something that's even on the table. It's non-negotiable. I am not a five hour sleeper. I'm not a four. I'm not a six and a half. Right. I am seven minimum. I'm not sleeping any less than that. Sometimes I got to fucking pull a six or a six and a half or, but anything below that, I'm a dead man. And I'm, I, I hate to say that just, I know where my performance level is. But one thing that I guess we can give to everybody here is these excuses. Mm -hmm. And I think when people start to learn excuses and how to spot them, it's probably one of the most profound paradigm shifts in anybody's life. Yeah. And the most important ones to recognize are your own. Yep. So you can make excuses all day. I'm I'm accountable for my excuses. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. I just am. Yep. I know what they are. When I see them, I always try to defend them, but I'm accountable for them. So when you say, well, people say they can't find time to go to a gym and train jujitsu and they're active law enforcement, I would say back to them, before I even ask that question, how much Netflix do you watch a week? Oh yeah. Yeah. People say to me, like, dude. It's been coming up a lot, like about television and movies. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you haven't seen that movie? Jay, I don't I don't watch any TV. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time. And the to only watch time movies. I ever watch <laughs> I've been I've been catching a little bit of football here and there. Um, but I'm teaching my kids about it. And if we watch anything at night, like I said, after eight o'clock, we'll watch something with the kids. Yeah. I don't watch anything for myself. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the other morning this is my personal Instagram. I had uh, Saturday morning, I had literally a motivational video on about like your morning and morning routines. And my kids were watching it with me. Now, do I think they get everything that they're saying? No, but that's the TV I watch. I don't, 
really watch for pleasure. And if I do, it's Impractical Jokers, and there's no fucking question about it. It's the best <laughs> television show ever in the history of the United States of America. Yeah, I'll those, fucking defend that to the death. Those dudes are funny. Bro, you can't get, and one lives like 10 minutes from here, right? They're all okay. from this area. And bro, that is the funniest fucking show that has ever been invented in the, in the history of the United States of America. But, you know, so I, I want to give that to people like, just start with this, recognize your excuses. Just yeah. know what they are, identify them. That's the first, one of the first things I ever learned going into this entrepreneurship journey or this shifting my life and taking responsibility. Yeah. You know, people could say whatever they want. Oh, well, it's, I, I hear this one. You know, you're a dad, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about weight. I, I always talk about weight. I'm very conscious of my weight. I'm a little heavier than I want to be right now. I'm probably, I could shed 10 to 15 pounds, which I'm working on again. People say like, oh, well, you know, it's hard. The kids have their snacks around and they're just there. The chicken mm-hmm. nuggets are on the table with the French fries. And, you know, you can't walk past them. You got to eat them. No, you yeah. don't. No, right. you don't. That's fucking excuses. Yep. Yeah. Well, you just don't. You can't say that doesn't. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Right. So it's a fucking excuse game, dude. And, and you know, I hate to sound so curt about it, but and I'm compassionate. Right. I understand that things happen. And but at some point, you've got to take some accountability for your life and stop yeah. fucking spouting these excuses over and over again. Like. Nobody, your excuses are not getting you any thinner. You want to see yourself in a fucking, uh, in a hospital in, at 63, going to doctor after doctor because you're a diabetic yep. and losing toes and fucking limbs. And yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I think people look for shortcuts with a lot of that stuff too. They're always looking for the easy, the easy fix. No one wants gotta to look just... for the long cut, dude. You got to look for the long cut. There is no yeah. shortcut. No. Well, like to your uh, point about, you know, shedding pounds, right? Like, you know, it's not just, you can't just do it in a week. There's no shortcut to lose 15 pounds in a week, unless you completely starve yourself and then you're going to gain it back right away anyway. Right. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it, it's every day you do specific things. You put in the work, you say no to the, the kid snacks. Like you said, you go to the gym and you just put in the work. And I think once you start doing that though, it becomes, then you start to build those habits. And I think that is where, um, you know, you'll start to see a lot more success when you maybe replace some of the bad habits that you have with some more positive habits. Um, you know, but yeah, excuses, man, they're everywhere. I hear them all the time. I've heard every excuse. Why not to train jujitsu? Why I can't, Oh, I'm going to do it as soon as I get better from this injury, I'm going to do it in six months when I am making a little bit more money. And it's always like pushing it off to the next thing. We do that with new year's resolutions too, right? Oh, you know, starting January 1st, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Well, no, you're not. Why don't just start it right now? What's preventing you from doing it right now at this very moment? I also hear this a lot. I was talking to my buddy, Kyle, who you've seen all my videos. I was texting with him yesterday when we say things like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it to the class or I'll try to do this thing. Well, that you've already given yourself an out. Either say you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But then at least you're being honest with yourself and you're not, you know, just leading people on like, yeah, I'll probably be there or, you know, I'm probably going to do that thing you want me to do. Tell me you're going to do it or tell me you're not going to do it. And then let's call it a day, you know, (laughs) because it just uh, I don't know. And I've had to do that with myself because I noticed I was starting to do that. Like when people would ask me for something, I'll, I'll try to do that thing. I'll probably be able to get to that thing. And then if I'm honest with myself, I was I was probably giving myself an excuse to get out of it. If that makes sense. As a, yeah. I mean, listen, as a father and uh, their mother as well, I mean, we really try to implement the responsibility to yourself. Mm-hmm. So last week on uh, Tuesday, my oldest is like, I don't want to go to jujitsu today. And I'm like, you're going. Yeah. And he's like, I, uh, but I don't want to, I don't feel like it today. I'm like, I don't care what you feel like today. We have a commitment. Your classmates mates need you there. You are both going, get your shit together. Let's go. And then I may have used a little candy for bribery, right? <laughs> but it doesn't that. matter because that's that's how actually I get them into it because I know how important it is. And I, you know, I said when I signed them up, I go, they're really gonna appreciate it when they're fucking fourteen that they're they're, they're gonna be this skilled, oh, and they're fucking sure. going, dude. Like, I don't care. They're going because I know what what it does for them when they're there. They love it. Mm-hmm. I think Dante Rivera does a phenomenal job yeah. with the kids. I like how tough they are. Uh, I don't want my kids being fucking babied. And I watch it, dude. I watch these fucking parents, especially now with these parents being in their 40s, right? You got, my kids are like, oh, it's like nine. You know, some of these parents are almost 50 years old. Yeah. And they're just fragile 
walking on your tippy toes. Be careful here. Be careful there. Don't <laughs> do that. Slow down. Da da da. Yeah. Um. And dude, you can't, man. Like you're no. fucking these kids up. You got to be able to control your anxiety and get these kids into these fucking. One one father asked me at some birthday party. Go. He's doing. Uh, I said Frankie's doing jujitsu. He goes, "How's he like it?" I go, "He loves it." He goes, "Yeah, well, so and so does karate." I go, "Bro, get him out of karate and put him into something that he can actually actually fucking does something." I go, right. "What kid ever goes to karate?" Right. The karate, it's like a, like a, what is it like? You, it's like a ballet for like fucking martial arts to me. Yeah, I mean, they have some things I've seen out now where it's like more uh, like the adults anyway, like combat combat karate or somewhere they're actually kicking and punching each other in the face. I think that's cool. But yeah, that's your cool. traditional yeah. traditional karate. You got to take it for what it is, you know, maybe it teaches some kids like, you know, uh, some discipline and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, if you want to teach your kids like how to fight, jujitsu is obviously a, a big one. Get them in wrestling. If you want to teach them how to, you know, punch and kick get them in some Muay Thai classes, there's other martial arts out there that will, uh, will, will build a better fighter than some of the stuff that we were, we were raised on, you know, um, Bro, let's face facts, Jay. Everybody should know how to fight. Yeah, I'm, I hate to say it as primal as it sounds and as awful as it sounds, you know, and I tell my kids all the time, you're defending somebody, yep. you're you're defending yourself. I don't care what your school says. I don't give a fuck about your principal. I literally tell them that at like six. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your principal. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about your dumbass teachers. I go, you will have no issues at home with mommy and daddy. Uh, but if I find out you're a bully, I'm going to punch your teeth out through your fucking mouth the minute you walk through the store. If I yeah. ever find out my kids bully another kid, they're they're so dead. I can't even begin to explain how dead they are. Right. Because I fucking hate bullies. I hate them. I think it's where I became a cop. Yeah. But you know what the kind of the ultimate paradox with fighting is, is that when you train and you learn how to fight, the exact opposite happens. You turn into right. one of the nicest people ever. I mean, I got any gym you go to and you, you could talk to anyone who trains jujitsu ever like you can go to their gym and they probably have some like legitimate killers, people that could legitimately kill you with their bare hands. I know I train with some people like that and guess what? They're the nicest people that I know. They would they do got, anything. Their insecurities are out the window, dude. They don't yeah, have to, they don't have, to nobody. They're yeah. not afraid of anybody. They don't, there's no reason for them to puff their chest out and make a bunch of noise with their mouth, you know, um, and, and talk shit to people because they just, they know they can handle business if, when it comes down to it. And so I start to see that confidence building a lot, especially in kids. Um, I think the kids that consistently train, they start to see those benefits and they're not going to be bullies. And I can't say every kid, but for the most part, those kids aren't going to, they're not going to be bullies. They, they know how to fight. They know how to handle themselves and it builds confidence. And there's so many benefits that I think they get out of it from that. You know, dude, I, I, I guess a lot of the stuff that I talk about here is not only geared towards police, but obviously we're a podcast that has, 450,000 subscribers to it. So a lot of people are non-law enforcement here and hopefully they're finding value and they can re-implement this stuff because it's what I firmly believe in. I am not trying to raise little Mary children. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not trying to have sensitive kids in my household because the world is not fair. I remember somebody said to me, uh, your kid falls and he comes crying. He didn't seem to want to do anything. I go, because when he gets punched in the face at school, you think he gets to call daddy, I'm going to hold him and hug him. <laughs> right. That's not how it works. I'm telling you as hard as it may be to say that to your children and as much you want to hold them and kiss them and coddle them. Now, Jay, let me also say this. If they actually get hurt, right. Yeah. Or something really happens. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to unconditional love. Daddy's got you. Right? right. But the other stuff you ain't getting it from me, dude. I'm just, I'm yeah. sorry. It's not happening. Right. No. Oh, this one punched me in the face. Go back and punch him in the face yourself. Right. Then I get this one. Did you tell him to put, did you just tell the other one to punch him in the face? I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's out. They fight. I don't stop it. Right. I, I can. I know when it's coming. Yeah. Right. I know when it's coming. I can. I, I, I'm i like, this one's going to be fucking bad. They're yep. going to fucking hurt each other. I just yep. know what it's coming. Then eight <laughs> minutes later, ah, oh, what God. happened? My fucking arm. And I'm like, all right, well, listen, is it broken? That nah, you're good. Yeah. Right? Then go punch him again. I, you know, so this is the stuff I want to you raise your kids the way you want. I'm not imposing my beliefs on you, but. <laughs> There, oh, man. I can almost, I'm can. i doing my best to make sure the Benino kids don't grow up to be a bunch of fucking Marys. I'm like you, man. I, you know, my house is like the UFC every day with having three boys and there is constant just kicking the shit out of each other. And I they figure it out to your point. I don't I don't I'm not always stepping in. It's just like background background noise to me at this point. That's right. Um, yep. 
you know, uh, but yeah, that's how I was raised. You fall off your bike, you smash into a bunch of mailboxes. It's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Take you to the hospital? Do you want to get back on your bike or leave me alone? You know, I think our parents' generation was very like be seen, not heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'll give you my last one before we start moving towards wrapping this thing up. But last Sunday, so today's Monday, so eight days ago, I call it a hairpin turn in the woods with one of the side by sides. The kids ones. It's a uh, it's a two hundred. It's a um, it's a Polaris two hundred. Kids side by side. They got it for Christmas. So the first warm day, we got it into the woods, and I mean we were having a great time, bro. That thing's that thing boogies. That little thing does about thirty miles an hour, and we're hitting these trails, and they're cracking up. They like, hold on to the handlebars on the side. Well, I came around a hairpin turn, pushing it, and I rolled the thing. And when I went to roll it, I put my hand out to try to stop the thing from flipping over. And I literally pinned my arm under the fucking roll cage Ugh. in the woods, right? Yeah. So my oldest was sitting next to me. He unbuckles, stands up, pops the door, climbs out. Jay, you would have thought he'd been practicing this whole, his whole life. He got out in three seconds. Nice. But he's, he's a little anxious. So he was out of that machine like fucking quick, dude. He's like, <laughs> I just saved my own life. So I'm pinned under it. I'm trying to, you know, I just stay calm. I know my arm is bad. Yeah. So I fucking go underneath it. I pick it up. I climb out. So we're out of the machine now, right? So I see him looking at me. And he's like, are you Okay. And I'm like, I'm fine. And my, I'm like, I broke my arm. My head, I'm like, I broke my arm. I'm like, but, you know, there's nobody else here. So either I'm going to fucking. Now, there were people in the woods with us, but they're probably. Uh, I'd have to walk a few minutes to go get them. And you call their names a few times. They hear it all. We had six machines in the woods. So I just uh, I went, ah, fuck it. I got I to gotta flip this thing back over. Yeah. And I just fucking squat lifted this fucking machine, rolled it back over. And he's like, my, my kid's like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, get back in. Start this bitch up. And I actually didn't drive out of the woods slow. Dude, I'm like, I'm like, this shit's broke. I'm like, literally, yeah. I'm trying to get in with one hand. I'm like, my shit's fucking fucked up. But dude, I got in and I drove like an asshole again. Like I sped <laughs> up. I'm like, you ready? He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to fucking rock, dude. That's funny. And so we uh, we raced back out of the woods, you know, not as fast as I was before. And I saw my friend. He was in the back. He brought his kids. And I said, hey, Rye, uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I broke my arm. He's like, you're fucking me, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm. I'm quite sure. He's like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I rolled the machine onto my arm. It was bad. Um, you know, I'm surprised. I, I didn't hear a crack, but I, it has to be broken. He goes, oh, well, let's get everybody ready. I go, no, no, don't make a big deal out of it. I don't want these kids getting worried about their father. I want them to see the father was tough. Let's hang out. They're having a good time. Let them do their thing. So for about 10 minutes later, I'm like, all right, we need to get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> like, I just don't want this thing getting like, God forbid I did something fucking terrible. I yeah. can't be that stupid and die over the thing, right? Right. But, Did you have to like tie it up in a sling when you were out there? Or? Well, no, because I just got in the machine. I, the woods are right close to, close to my house, so we just okay. got like shot back home. And then I was gonna, I was gonna drive myself to the emergency room. My friends like, nah, I'm driving. I'm like, dude, stop. Can yeah. You stop it. Like, you don't got to come to the ER. Just so ridiculous. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm bringing you, dude. There's no, I don't like, you know. He's like, he knows my games. He's like, give me your fucking. He's a he's a lieutenant, the police department. Okay. He's like, give me your fucking keys, asshole. <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude. It's a, you gotta go see the ER with me. It was, it was New Year's day. So there were no med centers open. Yeah. Um, bro, I had one night, uh, about a week afterwards, maybe five or six days after that. I couldn't like, dude, it was pain right to my fucking, my head all night long from this fucking arm. <laughs> Ugh. So I, I mean, I hate to sound like a bitch. Uh, yeah. I try not to act like a bitch, but you try to drink uh, some, but, uh, some bourbon. Nah, that usually helps. Fuck. Yeah. No, to be honest with you, I'm not one of those guys that like, turns to booze for <laughs> yeah. any kind of med medical that's probably a good stuff. thing yeah probably a good Never thing i actually don't even understand uh why people drink for the reasons that they do until actually we had a guy brad wadaby on who does uh resiliency training and like mental health training for say new jersey he's a cop in Bergen county okay and he told me i never understood it until he said this he said the first time he ever tasted alcohol when he was 14 years old it was euphoric for him he knew he fell in love immediately yeah. First time I fucking drank alcohol, I dumped half it down the to fucking <laughs> the, down the fucking drain. So people thought I drank it, but I couldn't taste. I couldn't stand it, dude. I yeah. hated the way it made me feel. I hated the taste of it. And then, you know, I think we got into alcohol later on because alcohol and girls went hand in hand. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably a good point. I mean, you're you're in Minnesota. I don't know how much you guys go out there, but like in Jersey, every part of every social gathering in New Jersey is alcohol related, especially to the Jersey Shore. It's all alcohol. Yeah. Well, I think we're stuck inside a lot in Minnesota, especially in the wintertime when it's fucking 40 below zero. You got to find something to keep you occupied, I guess. So that's probably part of it. But yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know how we got onto all these subject matter, but I like when we go places like this, dude. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Where can they find more about you and your products? Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on social media, obviously, on my Instagram page at jujitsu. 5-F-I-V-E underscore O. I post a lot of free training videos and stuff there, technique videos. I do have a TikTok channel that I started a while back. Um, Who told you to do that? It might have been you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> no, I was I was hesitant to start it, but I knew there was probably an audience there that, you know, I, I should be in front of. So I started that channel. I use it more to kind of fuck around and make funny videos and stuff like that. I do post some technique stuff there too, but I just kind of have fun with the TikTok side of things. But I have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on Facebook. And then I'm starting to do more kind of in-person classes and seminars and stuff like that too. So you know, I'm around mostly all over the internet. You can see me and uh, my guy, Kyle, uh, getting his ass kicked for science, donating his body, um, you know, but that's primarily a good kind cause. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. Any last message you want to give people before we conclude this episode of the podcast? Well, first and foremost, uh, I guess, thanks for having me on. This was fun. I enjoyed talking yeah, with you, you know, Always. Um, if you are a cop who's not currently training jujitsu and you're interested in it and you kind of want to dip your toes in the water, send me a message, hit me up. If you want any advice, uh, I'm always here available for you. I've got some stuff that, you know, some free training content that I can send to you to, to help you out. You can tune into one of our live classes that we do every week. So yeah, really, if you, that's kind of the thing. And if you're, if you've been thinking about it, just go start, find a gym, start. I promise you're going to love it. Um, I'm here as a resource. There's a lot of other helpful resources out there on the internet for cops that are training jujitsu and teaching jujitsu. Um, but other than that, you know, I just go train. Listen, man, it was a blast having you, Jay. I've been looking forward to meet, having a face to face with you at least. Yeah, this is fun, man. Fun a few times. Yeah, dude. And we'll probably do it again in the future. So glad, yeah, I'd be happy to come back. All right, brother. Appreciate you. All right, homie. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher, so you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum, going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.